Season two is nigh, ladies and gentlemen. Greg Koch here, Chewing the Gristle podcast. It continues unabated. We got some powerful musical friends lined up. We're talking guitars, music, food, aliens. It doesn't matter. We're just chewing the diggity doggone gristle. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time once again for Chewing the Gristle. This week, my good buddy Willie Porter, you've seen him on tour with everybody from Paul Simon to Sting, the doggone Eric Johnson and Jeff Beck. In my opinion, one of the greatest solo acoustic singer, songwriter, guitar slingers of all doggone time. We talk about everything you can possibly imagine, including your Milwaukee Bucks. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for another edition of Chewing the Gristle with yours truly, Gregory Cockery. I'm here with my good old buddy, Willie Porter, guitar player, singer, songwriter, extraordinaire, and old pal of mine. It just seems so weird that we're doing this virtually when we live so close, but this is just the way we do, William. How you doing today? I'm doing well. I just got back from what you would call a spirited preambulation. Yes. uh, (laughs) You got to get that heart a pumping. It's not bad. You got to embrace it. Embrace the changes. That is correct, Amundo. You know, William, uh, when I go about my, when it's not COVID hours and I'm traveling around and I run into other musicians and music fans and whatnot, and um, we talk about hometown and musician friends and so on and so forth. And inevitably I'll say, well, my buddy Willie Porter lives at home. We've been buddies and yeah. And everyone will go, Willie Porter. (laughs) And they will say such (laughs) profound things. But my favorite thing that they always say is that I went to go see Jeff Beck or I went to go see uh, Eric Johnson. And this guy opened up and blew my mind and his name was Willie Porter. And I'm like, that's, that's my boy. Oh, man. Thank you, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty fun. fun it is fun because it's better, than, it's better than them saying I owe them 100 bucks or something, which is, you know, probably more likely. Well, you know what? Every now and again, you need a crisp hundo, a crisp hundo, and you don't care how you get it. Am I no, right? No, no sir. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, and I've said it many times, doggone it, you know, uh, regardless of, of uh, whether in the band or so on and so forth, but particularly, I mean, you're great always, but by yourself doing the solo acoustic thing, I, I, it's, it's, it's spellbinding. You know, it's, it's, oh, um, man, thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, your vocals and your guitar playing and the tone. I always reference you when I'm doing my Fishman stuff. Cause I say, you know, back in the day, my buddy, Willie, I would see him do a sound check and he would speak like in all of these technical terms to the sound man. And it sounded like there was math involved. And he had like this refrigerator, a uh, small mini refrigerator filled with these technical devices that made his guitar sound like the word of God. And it always intimidated the shit out of me from playing acoustic guitar live because I thought, well, I'm going to have to know math and I'm going to have to haul around this thing and I'm going to have to talk to the sound man a lot more than I'd like to. And so thanks, <laughs> Willie. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I mean, if I put pressure on you in any way, I'm, I'm shocked, first of all. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, the first time I actually encountered somebody who could call frequency was um, Michael Hedges. Oh, yeah. And I watched him do a sound check when I was in college. I didn't know who he was. And he rolled in and he was late for his sound check. 
and I watched him and he dialed everything in so quickly. And I realized there's a whole language here that I need to learn. And so I just learned how to call frequency and it's really, really helped me you know, in live performance to be able to do that and communicate quickly. So absolutely. And not only for guitar, but for vocals as well, because you always dial that stuff in lick it a damn split. Oh, well, thanks, brother. Yeah, it's um, it's a fun thing. I kind of consider myself a frustrated engineer who plays guitar, you know, um, and, you know, there's a lot of engineers that are on stage that really are good guitar players. And you realize right away, what's our what's our common denominator here? How can we um, achieve things quickly. And you know, I mean, how many millions of throw and go festival patch type gigs have you done where you get out there and, you know, the monitors sound like hammered dog shit and you have to figure (laughs) (laughs) you have to figure out how to survive. So that whole method of what I call stage nesting, you know, you've got to get these bare minimums in order to communicate with the other players and, and try to get the music out to the people that are there to hear it. Absolutely, doggone it. Yeah, brother. Um, so we've been through the cove, and you've been doing magnificent, you know, Saturday night from the bunker performances. Why, thank you. And uh, now we're aiming at, you know, it's coming out of this thing, and I know you're booking some stuff. I mean, how, how, what are your thoughts at this point as far as returning to, I don't want to say normal because are we ever going to go back to what we consider normal, knowing what we know now of what can be done without traversing ceaselessly, shall we say? I just get the damn vaccine, would you? I mean, everybody, can we just can we wake up and just embrace the science that's here? I, you know, that's all I have to say on that. I I look at the rise in the numbers again and all these other things. You know, you and I are both very proactive people. You have to be like you, you know, the word pivot is way overused. But as soon as things shut down, you know, I never wanted to be a live stream guy. It was just not it's not something I'm interested in, really. But you have to embrace the changes. Again, we're just quoting more REO Speedwagon. Yeah. Then, gotta on. roll. Got to, got to, got to. To keep on rolling. <laughs> so trying to figure out, you know, what is the next, what is this new thing? How do we do it? Um, so I think it's going to be a mix of this stuff going forward, right? right. And you've done so well to, to communicate. It's really, you've kind of, you've sort of been the flag bearing standard walking down, you know, this virtual world of how you can represent music um, in real time. And so a lot of us were trying to take a couple of plays out of your book there, Dr. Cock. Oh, good Lord. Well, you know, but it's, um, it's just an amazing change in this whole environment of music and it's what we have to do to survive. So, well, that, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, it's all, you know, it's, you're presented with opportunities and you, you gotta do, I mean, for me, it's all just a matter. I I like just playing. I know you do too. It's a matter of, uh, you know, in front of people, it's great. And you get that you know, congregational aspect of being in front of humanoids and getting that response. Um, but there's also just the idea of, I just like playing. And sometimes when they got the camera, you're not hearing the people, but if you have the chat room, you are experiencing somewhat of that communal thing, even though it's, it's from afar as the case may be. But, mm. you know, the bottom line is, is that the playing of music and the spontaneity of music is great no matter what. 
And, um, and that's, you know, that, that's something that always keeps me going. I mean, I never, I wake up every day and I have all these different things to do that aren't your typical, uh, what we thought of anyways, as the typical, uh, avenues of pursuing a career in music. But, you know, I enjoy any opportunity I get to play and I know you're the same way. Here, here. I think it's pretty interesting in that, you know, you'd be doing this anyway, right? Right. I mean, you'd be sitting there playing the guitar as much as you could. I'm the same way. So it's having the camera on is suddenly almost forgettable in a way. And that's really been kind of liberating to get away from sort of, uh, I don't know, the paralysis of narcissism, if you will, that we're seeing ourselves reflected out in the world or we're broadcasting out into the world. Well, what is the, what is the normal state of being with music and how do you, get to that inner space. I mean, to get inside a song, to communicate, um, to dig into a new tone, to just express in real time and improvise, you have to forget that there's anybody else involved. Right. You know, and I think that's really the magic of this whole journey. So in some ways this has been kind of empowering, hasn't it? I mean, we've been able to dig in and tap into the psychology of how and why a little bit more Yes, absolutely. Um, so I've enjoyed that. It's also been good to be home. It's been good to be a dad off the road. Yes. How about that for a little over a year and a half where, you know, you're not the person who's calling in to check on things. You're actually involved in real time decision-making and, and also, you know, you can carry half the load up the hill. I remember I used to come home from tour and I'd stop at the bottom of the hill before I went into the house and I would say to myself, you do not represent leadership. <laughs> you are of the tribe when you head back in. So be ready to take orders, be ready to be on the team, but you're not leadership material. And it really, it's just how I had to do it. Um, being home has been a blessing that way. You know? Well, it does make sense. I mean, because when you're a band leader or, you know, when you're basically the boss, when you're on the road, uh, it's always, what can we do for you? How can you, how can we help? Hey, you know, and you could tell people what to, and all of a sudden you get home and that ain't, that ain't the world you're living in. (laughs) Right. Hey, we had Thai food last night, honey, for dinner. It was really good. Met with an icy cold silence on the other end of the line. Oh, well, there's that as well. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, we're, we're very fortunate that the music has led us into these places. Right. And exactly. I've enjoyed, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed being home. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's fun hanging out with the fam, you know, and, uh, it's nice to know I can, you know, uh, still make, uh, the home front laugh every now and again. (laughs) 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 And, uh, you know, it's, I've, I've enjoyed it. So it's, 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 uh, when I look back or I look forward to doing some stuff on the road again, um, there are certain things I'm excited about and other things I'm like, you know, I don't think I'm going to do just old anything anymore if I don't have to. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. being kind of, uh, you know, uh, prim about it or anything. It's just that, you know, when you're presented with because it's always isn't it kind of in the mindset. You got to grab whatever you got to you got to do whatever. It's all for this purpose of this somewhere down the line. There's going to be this payoff. Right. And then you're like, really? Because that's. 
<laughs> you know, I'm you know 55 now. That payoff is kind of just being able to pay. You know, be wake up every day and enjoy it and do whatever you got. You know, do whatever's in front of you for the next day and not really. Uh, and be solvent at the end of the day, I guess, is really the thing, right? <laughs> yeah, man. You know, it's so funny. The dream gives way pretty quickly to subsistence farming. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, you look three months out. I don't know a lot of other people, uh, other career paths, if you will, where you look out three months and they're unemployed in the same way or six months the same way that we are. So we've learned to live with a, a level of uncertainty. Um, that a lot of other folks I don't think could stomach. And I think um, that's not putting us on some sort of pedestal professionally, but it does, um, it, it can bring you to make quick decisions that don't always represent your best interests, right? Right. So, yeah. And uh, I think this COVID time has been a time to reflect on, you know, the choices that I was making prior to this and saying, well, some of those, you know, I don't, maybe I don't need to do those right. anymore. You know, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a it's a nice time to sort of reset the groove, if you will. Reset uh, the groove. <laughs> <laughs> now, you had mentioned Michael Hedges earlier. I mean, obviously, Leo Kotke and other people have been an influence on your on your guitar playing. Who who else are some people that you looked at and thought, man, I'm going to try to put this into my sangria of delicious stringed activities. Well, certainly, you know, Bruce Coburn was oh, a guy yeah, yeah. that I totally dug uh, just as a songwriter. Um, and, you know, Kotke's probably the main one for me. John Fahey, oh, Ry yeah. Cooter a little bit. I, mm -hmm. I just love Ry Cooter. Um, Taj Mahal. But then there's these contemporary players that are blowing my mind, like Julian Lodge. Yourself oh, yeah. as well. I mean, you when we played that uh, Falling Forward record together, I mean, your studio game was so ridiculously well sorted out in terms of tone and approach and, and playing parts. Oh, um, well, thank you. Yeah, that was a lot I mean, of fun was, to do. That was an amazing album to work on and to witness that. So, yeah, Julian Lodge and, and there's this uh, young woman named Madison Cunningham who's just ridiculous. She's got this great... Um, almost a Mark Rebo approach oh. to phrasing and tonality while singing kind of like a Joni Mitchell-esque kind of thing. Really interesting writer and player. So, so much good music out there. There is indeed. There is plenty. And it's it's kind of interesting. It's, you know, on, on many of these conversations I've been having with various folks, we inevitably talk about, you know, the whole internet thing and what it has done to the music industry both for good and for bad. But one of the great things, I think, is the fact that you're exposed to all of these things musically uh, that you wouldn't normally be exposed to due to the gatekeeper aspects of, of what we typically get to hear or experience versus just kind of flipping through Instagram or and it, it, or YouTube or wherever. And, you know, you have an interest in one particular thing and it kind of recommends different. I mean, certainly the algorithms now are, are kind of functioning as the new gatekeeper, but still, it's much less... Um, policed, if you will, <laughs> in terms of being able to experience music that you normally wouldn't. Am I right? Or what do you think about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. It's kind of, it's the wild west, right? I mean, it's, I, I'm really enjoying it. And, you know, I think the only trouble with the algorithm is that, you know, they sort of lock you into this funnel, which 
obviously has brought more problems culturally than it's really helped. Right. But trying to reach past that, um, you know, at least once a week, go try to hunt around and look for something, you know, that you wouldn't normally hear to, you know, Tibetan throat singers, for instance, or yes. just um, get some other stuff in your my, feed. My son things. Dylan does a pretty excellent Tibetan throat singer. Does he? I'm not shocked. <laughs> I just, just continue to not be shocked by the skills that he might have and does have. Um, yeah. So I, I love it. I think it's fabulous. I wish somebody was kind of saying, Hey, check this out. You know, um, it's been cool to have Liam around because he's really um, pretty savvy as a lot of younger people are in sort of finding stuff that's interesting and, and fascinating jazz players. And he's really, you know, he's really digging into the guitar in such a cool way. And awesome. And Rick Beato is, you know, his teaching method and stuff has really been great for us to check out as well. We've really been digging on him. Yeah. He does some great stuff without doubt. And he's a good dude. Yeah, I haven't met him. I look. I hope that happens someday. He's a good fella. I'm sure he is, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the 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 good thing is everyone can make music. The bad thing is everyone can make music. You know, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> well, but, it, it is an interesting. It's just an interesting time. You know, there's. Um, I'm always and I and I and I know you're the same way. I'm always just fascinated by the psychology of what people respond to and 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 how they respond to it depending on presentation um and 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 I always have to put myself in somebody else's shoes because coming from my own angle it's so easy for me to go on, for God's sake will you do some homework you know what I mean how hard is it you got you got a thing in your hand that has access to all the information you know that's almost ever been and yet you know they only you know, they can't seem to even go one frame down to answer the question. But that's, you know, it's like it could be some random individual just going across something and seeing something and, you know, commenting just innocently on what's going on. So but but it's been it's it's fast. I'm always into, OK, well, you're being exposed to this certain thing, but yet you're commenting about that. And, you know, and just kind of grasping that and also realizing in that instance, too, that you may get something that is heavily responded to in a virtual format, but that's still not indicative of humanity at large. You know what I mean? It's easy to get sucked into this world. Well, that's how the world is. Like, no, that's how the internet was. And that snapshot of time, it's not exactly representative of of how things might be responded to in a, in a, in the macro sense. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's fascinating. It truly is. I mean, I kind of wonder about, um, you know, the human nature of what, what goes viral, you know, what becomes the McDonald's of some sort of, um, you know, internet posting, how does that appeal to the masses? And I, I seriously haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that. I think, the nature of authenticity is more of what I'm interested in. Right. Um, and, and so I'm really drawn to those kinds of artists and that kind of material. Um, you know, having said that, I like kittens and puppies as much as anybody else. Right. Know? Just don't start watching the videos with the nest cams with the birds. It's a, it's a rabbit hole, Willie. Oh, is it really? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, right. especially when there's a bird attack, a predator attack going into the uh, oh, it's 
Oh, yeah, for me, it's I'm, like either Richard or David Attenborough. It's the BBC Earth stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I just, you know, if you look at my YouTube feed, that's pretty much it. Well, you know what I find interesting, and I again, I'm totally, and this is not coming from a ostentatious or pedantic point of view in terms of, oh, people are always going for clickbait and so on and so forth. But one of the things I'm so grateful for from in my situation is, is that due to the nature of what I do online, it's not really after um, the amount of clicks. It's just I do what I do. I, you know, the people I do stuff for, whether it be Wildwood or Fishman, um, it's it's catering to just doing what I'm doing with that particular. If 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 a thousand people watch it, if ten thousand people watch, if fifty people watch it is irrespective if the stuff sells. You know what I'm saying? So I don't really have to go for, okay, well, I'm going to do my impression of, of of all the people I can do an impression of within a minute's time to get, you know, a, a three million hits. You know what I mean? I, I, I and, and I don't begrudge people that do that because there's, there's people whose financial kind of uh, paradigm is to get as many hits as possible with as many videos as possible. And that's the way that they make their living. So I, sure. I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't begrudge them or belittle them or any of that. I'm just glad I don't have to do it. You know what I mean? I totally understand that. I mean, by your nature, you know, because of the history that I understand of yours as a musician, it's like, you're a live animal, you know, like I want to go see your band live because as good as the virtual feeds and stuff are, it's like that feeling of being in the room with that music is, whew, that's a transcendent thing. And I'm much more interested in that. So I'm kind of sometimes put off by a 30 second video that has 3 million visits or hits or something, because what is, how is that sustained? What is that? Is that more emblematic of our, our collective attention span? Or right. some, you know, qualitatively, I really question it. How many takes did it take to get there? <laughs> you know, that 30 seconds, what happened before that? And what happened after that? Right. I, I'm interested in the whole story. Yeah, know? I hear you. Yeah, I'm yeah, a yeah. long form guy. So um, that's why when I, when I got a record deal, I was like, I read the whole contract and had a million questions. And I remember my lawyer was just like, it was just upset with me. It's like, don't you trust what I told you? And it's like, well, yeah, but no. You know, I want, <laughs> I want the whole thing. <laughs> I want to know the whole story. Oh, my favorite thing about record deals is you hire the attorney, you go through all that stuff, but in the end, the record company's going to do what they want to do anyway, and that's going to be it. Yeah. <laughs> well said. We signed a four record deal, but yeah, we're done now. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was like, well, I, I thought we were just dating. Right. You know, we were just, yeah, I thought we were just, you know, the first record was a dating phase. Well, no, let's, no, let's no, talk was... a little bit about that stuff. Cause there are, there are such hard lessons to be learned with the idea of a, of a record deal. Mm -hmm. uh, although, you know, with dog Ear dream, I mean, that was such a, a monster record right out of the gate for you just doing it independently that when you find, when you got picked up, it kind of, led to its own whole other thing that was already kind of rolling. But, the, but, but, you know, the things that I find interesting and please 
you know, I'd love to hear your take on on your experiences like this. But you know, the idea of you get a record deal, well, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to put records in the stores. Then you got to schmooze the distributor to make sure that they do that shit. And then, oh, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get an agent now because I've got a record deal. No, you're not because the yeah. agency doesn't give a shit. Are you getting airplay simply? Well, how do I get how do I get airplay? Well, you got to be selling records in that area. Well, how do I sell records in that area? Well, you got to get airplay. You know, in this, I would just ring my head going, "Oh my god, this is like." I just maybe maybe I'm just not smart for smart enough for this. <laughs> I know I wasn't. You know, for me, I'd like it, it felt like I got selected. You know, um, for the Olympic team of the high hurdles. You know, <laughs> and, and you've never done these hurdles in your life. And each one of them is schmooze the promo team. You know, manage the managers. The next hurdle. You know, um, try to get the tour support money that they promised while you're in the middle of the tour. And the band is ready to kill you, <laughs> you right. know. Um, and these hurdles just continued. I never realized that it was, you know, as soon as you get a deal, that's when the hard work really begins. And I think a lot of uh, young musicians aren't prepared for that. Or at least I know I wasn't. Um, but you know, what a great ride! And I think getting the music out there and finding what were the successful moments and really trying to exploit those and, and build on those, you know, that was the best part of the whole thing. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Met, met some incredible people in the journey. Absolutely. It's an adventure without a doubt. Yeah. And we've had fun over the years rocking. We've had probably more fun than, you know, I've got nothing but gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> nothing but gratitude, man. Well, it's interesting because you've, you know, you've done amazing things career-wise, and oh, thank you. And it's it's, um, I mean, when you, you know, as a, as with the band, with selling records on your own and all that kind of stuff, but just an opportunities of interfacing with you know a lot of our idols growing up. You know what I mean? And either mm. you're opening up for Sting, and 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 they and they all have mad respect for you. You know, Paul Simon. You know, not to mention as I mentioned earlier, like Jeff Beck and and Eric Johnson and and, and all these types of folks. How was that? I know because we've talked about this many times, but I think it'd be interesting for folks to kind of. Here, you know, when you live in a town like Milwaukee, you know, which of course we're getting a lot of uh, press now because the Bucks are in the finals, which is exciting as hell if we're honest. Sure but uh, <laughs> you know, there there's this idea of you know Milwaukee's you know a poda. You know, and what's wrong with you for living in Milwaukee? I mean, there's there's got to be why would he live there? You know, that's kind of what people's <laughs> mentality is of you know what are you afraid of or you know why aren't you live in Nashville or or L.A. and you realize well if you're doing your own music it really doesn't matter where you are. And by the way, having been all over the world, Milwaukee's is just as good as most of the places you can mention and not nearly as expensive. But talk a little bit about your experience with that whole conundrum of, you know, you, you're doing all this stuff. You're interfacing with the best of the best. You're making a living, making music on an extraordinarily high level. And yeah, you choose to live in this town. Um, it, but somehow in, in the view of some, it's a liability in some weird way. Well, you know, what's interesting is that um, this musician named Bill Miller, really great songwriter, um, when I was in college, I said, Bill, how did you make the touring thing work? He was living in Nashville at the time and um, <clears throat> had a publishing deal with Warners and was doing quite well. And he said, I looked at my hometown as the hub of the wheel. And he said, that's where people love me. They take care of me. They feed me. They'll come to my shows. They know my name. 
And he said, and then the spokes were the satellite towns nearby that I had to go out and try to establish myself. But I would go out and I would come back to my hometown and I always treated it with respect because that's where I was from and I can't change where I'm from. And that really resonated with me. So when I looked at Milwaukee, Chicago's 90 miles away. Nashville's an eight-hour drive. Minneapolis is, you know, six hours away. Madison is nearby. Plus flying to either coast, it's not as bad as going from coast to coast. True. Yep. So suddenly, you know, when I looked at it geographically and really started to get into touring, I just thought, well, this is great. And then, as you say, you travel all over the place. You come back to your town and you look around. We're on a great lake. You know, we've um, we have great summers here. Yeah, we have problems, you know, social issues and things that this town needs to overcome that are, you know, decades and decades old. But we're working towards that. So I'm like you. I always feel like you can make great music anywhere. And uh, but you can't change where you're from. Right. So moving to L.A., I spent a a bunch of time out there and did some recording with you, in fact, Mm -hmm. and thought I could never live out here. I could never raise kids out there. As much as I respect that town and that part of the country, I couldn't raise kids there. And my wife didn't want to go there. So there you go. There it is in a nutshell. Yeah, brother. It's fun to visit those places by all means. It really is. And I always have a good time. You get back to our tiny little airport and you realize how simple it is. Yes. It's like... Wow, I landed and I'm at baggage claim and I'm gone in under 25 minutes. Where right. else can you do that? And not to mention, even in rush hour, it's like yeah. you're 20 minutes away from anywhere in the metropolitan area for the most part. Maybe a half hour, you know what I mean? Yeah. If truly in some kind of, you know, traffic kerfuffle. But for the most part, it's, you know, and, and you get all the advantages, uh, not all the advantages, but a lot of the advantages of a big city without all of the disadvantages of one. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those things, but it is, um, you know, there are definitely people that I feel that are zip code conscience, you know what I mean? That that's part of the, <laughs> that's part of the enigma for them. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, the, how, you know, how, how, how much better would my music sound to some if I, you know what I mean? If I, if I was from Texas or well, if from, you were you know from what I mean? Brooklyn, I would have a lot more respect for your child. See, there you go. You know, but you just haven't really, you're not, yeah. So I get what you're saying, you know. How good can you be being from, as you would say, from behind the shutter curtain? Exactly. You, just, you know, you can't. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I look at uh, I look at what I come home to, man. And I'm just like, whew, I'll take that, you know, that easy park. Let's yeah. talk. Yes. Yeah. Well, plus just a great, great place to raise the fam. I mean, it, it's. Yeah. Schools are good, you know, it, yada, yada, yada. And, and, you know, people are nice around here. They say, you know, talk about, I mean, I, I, get, I tend to get along with people, you know, try to get along with people everywhere. You? But, you know, people for the most part around here are very nice. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, you're up for I know a there's walk. a please and a thank you thing that happens. That whole Midwestern sort of, uh, how would you call that, you know, the passive exit when somebody's, you know, saying, well, you know, they're really thinking they'd like you to leave, but instead they offer you another sandwich. Right. You know, would you like another one or are you about are you thinking you're about done? Okay. Okay. Well, you know, that's code for let's wrap this shit up. Right we? on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
We interrupt this regularly scheduled gristle-infested conversation to give a special shout-out to our friends at Fishman Transducers, makers of the Greg Koch Signature Fluence Gristle Tone Pickup Set. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, bringing the heat in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. Well, let's talk about some music you're working on as of late. You've done all kinds of really cool things over the years. Uh, everything from you with the string quartet, you with Carmen, you with the full band, you solo, you doing some looper stuff. What What is the current thing you're you're working on? Thank you. The current thing is uh, the full band, <clears throat> a full band project, and, and went back to work with producer Mike Hoffman, who did the oh, Dog yeah, and yeah. Doom record. Yep, so we're in the process of making that record, and... Um, Working with the great Steve Hamilton as well, who I know you've worked with quite a bit yes. um, on, on your recent stuff with Cock Marshall Trio. So, yeah, it's um, it's a full gamut of stuff from, you know, nylon string, very sort of plaintive things um, to full band gristle. So, I like it. Yeah, it should be a fun record when it's done. I'm excited about it. Now, how many records is that for you, William? Is that somewhere in the neighborhood of 16, 17, 18? No, I think this one is like 12. This is 12 on the full okay. length thing. Okay. There have been gotcha. a couple of shorties and other things in there too. But yeah, now, I would, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a funny thing. Um, you know, making an album, I spent the whole time during COVID just writing music right. and realized, you know, I'd wanted for years to get off the road so I could do that. Um, but as you know, like finding a balance between being a music creator, being a dad, you know, touring, all these other things, that's a wicked balance beam thing. And I didn't quite, you know, um, wasn't as prolific as I would have liked over the last, you know, five or six years, but I look at it now and it's like, you know, you did other things right. Right. Yeah. 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 So is- it's kind of like, uh, how do you balance your life? And, uh. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I could dig that. So, what do you, what? How has your acoustic rig changed over the years? Because you know, as I said earlier, you used to have this, you know, fairly complex. Although you know, it was kind of like a what a mini rack or like a um, how would you say it? Like a, like a little fridge, a small yeah. fridge. But and there were like pendulum preamps and whatnot. And yes, and it, and it didn't. It just made the guitar sound as real as an acoustic guitar could sound, but loud and huge. And well, how, how has it changed over the years? And, and how did you first develop that? And talk a little bit about that journey, if you will. Absolutely. So I started out, um, I think it was 95, 94, 95. I got into Pendulum's gear and started using their preamps. And that was really, um, that was a real eye-opening experience for me because Suddenly, you could really fine-tune frequency through four bands of parametric, which um, most of the um, gear that was out at the time would be kind of a DI box with a couple of small adjustable mm-hmm. you know, knobs and so forth, but nothing that had really class A components. It wasn't anything that had really great potentiometers or really great you know, internals. So once those came along, they were tremendous, though they were very fragile. And um, so I had to learn a lot about tech and learn a lot about maintaining gear on the road and so on. Um, But from there, on tour with Tori Amos, 
her engineer was using the Brooke Sirens 901, which is a parametric compressor on her vocal. Because Tori, if you've heard her, she'll go from a whisper to a scream in the same song, you know. And so for an audio engineer, either you're chasing the fader or you've got to do something with that signal chain to address the fact that she's so dynamic. So Mark Hawley said to me, why don't you try one of these 901s on your guitar? Because there are times where you capo up and all of a sudden 6K is just ripping everybody's face off. Or <clears throat> conversely, you're turn, tuning way down and you're just hammering the subs. So you could put a light compression, say, down at 80 hertz, and then another one at 6K. And then when you go between the full range of your material live, suddenly you're able to communicate throughout everything without ever having to chase anything. And you've made it really simple for the front of house engineer to just set your fader and go. He's not, you know, he or she is not chasing you right. the whole show. That was a complete revelation for me. And, but what happened was I became sort of, if you will, uh, used to having that, that parametric compressor and it messed up my technique. My right hand got to be really aggressive in a way that was not necessarily musical. I was losing tone, overdriving the guitar. And so I got away from that and went to, now I'm using Grace stuff. Um, they make the Felix and the Alex, and they're tremendous preamps, but no compression in the chain. The compression has to be my hand. Got I've got to figure out how to control and play dynamically. And um, the one thing that really made me realize how much my hands had changed was when I would try to play electric, my right hand was just was way too busy and way too aggressive hitting the top of the guitar. So having to smooth that out and really try to work on refining technique. And that's been the journey thus far. Fantastic. <clears throat> it never ends. It never ends, man, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think... Uh, What's really the, the joy is that the instruments keep, you know, I'm wearing a round guitarist t-shirt by accident, but if I hadn't worked with these guys, I wouldn't have been able to figure out how to set up my instruments the right way through the years. And, and that's, it's been 30 years of working with Denny Rowan as a tech and, and he's just said, you know, try this, try this, try this. And it's really, a lot of things have really worked. It's been great. So when you go on the road, um, if you're doing solo stuff, what do you take with you as far as guitars? I'll take a, um, <clears throat> either a Costal six string, um, or a Miterman six string. And then, uh, probably the Miterman nine string baritone. Uh -huh. And those are my two guitars. And, um, you know, if the six string goes down, I can play the show on the Barry and get through it. Um, and, it, you know, my pedal board rig is really simple. It's a, a Fishman Alex with um, a Big Sky Reverb and Eventide H9 um, and maybe a tremolo pedal. But that's it. Nice. And a looper. Which looper do you prefer? Um, I think I'm using the, um, the X4, um, which is TC Electronic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what it's called. Um, <clears throat> and that's a really seamless great sounding unit. Um, true bypass is great. It's, it's a really 
solid piece of kit, as they say. A solid piece of kit. <laughs> yes, sir. Gear. Um, the gear talk, William. It never the gear ends. talk. Yeah, you know, the thing is for a solo yodeler like me, the more you, you know, I've, I've gotten down to doing stuff where it's just a backpack and one guitar. Yeah. And I'll go to the UK and do it that way. And the Alex is a tiny little, you know, but man, the horsepower of that preamp is pretty extraordinary. It nice. really is. Um, and all the guitars have Fishman stuff in them. All the uh, pickups are Fishman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which are bulletproof. They are indeed, as I as well I know by Jiminy mm. Jangle Jingle. <laughs> so when you're doing solo stuff, do you request an amp to use, or do you just go direct? If you're doing a fl- if you're doing a throwing a fly in type of situation, I'll just go direct, and then what I do is I use one of the monitor sends to put a monitor behind me like an amplifier. Got it. And then use that as a separate amp. Um, and if it's a band thing, I'll usually do two of those behind me. And just try to fill the stage with the acoustic so we can play quietly. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think the it's amazing in our lifetime how far this gear has gone. I mean, in the beginning, the pickups were so, the thin line style pickups were so bad that you know, you'd go through four or five of them just trying to get one that was somewhat balanced. Um, right. Because, you know, you'd have an A string that was louder than Doom and then no D string at all. Right. <laughs> so it was just, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of chasing it. But, um, you know, it's it's interesting to see how far the technology has gone. There's a um, fabulous Russian guitarist named Alexander Misko, you may have heard of. Um, who's doing, I think he's probably got 12 or 13 different pickup points on the guitar so he can touch at different spots and trigger different sounds and things. Um, But the way he's capturing an acoustic guitar is just extraordinary. And of course, Andy McKee is genius as well. Yeah, yeah. Callum Graham, um, Antoine Dufour. These these guys are all, you know, they're all in the vanguard in terms of... um, composition expression and so on and you know i just i'm trying to write songs and and find certain aspects rhythmically in the guitar that i can exploit but i'm not going to the extent that they are which i i really admire you know yours is an excellent uh hybrid of you know technically you know obviously very uh impactful guitar playing with great songs. And of course you sing magnificently. So it's, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice coupling, if you will. That's not dirty, William. It's a coupling. It's a little dirty, but we'll let it slide. And, uh, and I dig it. I dig it, William. (laughs) Thank you, man. I dig it. Yeah. I feel, uh, fortunate to still be doing this and to be on this train. And, um, you know, I, um, Again, I use that word gratitude a lot, but, you know, I think to be able to make music and and do it consistently and keep creating, you know, that's the greatest gift we as players really get to have in my humble view. It's like people are like, how's your record doing? Well, it's like I got to make it. Right. I got to record it. And the joy was in being in the room with those other humans making this art. And if nowadays I think it's changed so much that if the joy isn't really in creating the art, then 
you're not going to really get a lot anywhere else. You're certainly not going to get paid for making records in the way that we used to. So, you know, you got to make them cheap. You got to make them fast. And um, it's fun. I wanted to ask you a question, Greg. Yes, sir. About recording on tape versus digitally. And has that changed your psychology at all in terms of how you approach recording? Um, You know what? I... Obviously, the sound of tape, you know, if we look back on the day and what that all sounds like and so on and so forth. I mean, there, I've never really like a bead. Okay, well, here's what it sounded like on tape versus what we sound like, you know, in this new digital realm. I will just say that I find the ability uh, technically to uh, capture performance and, um, and do minor edits. I mean, we don't go crazy, but good God, mm-hmm. it's just so nice with Pro Tools or Logic or whatever pro- program that you know is being used to be able to switch things around if need be and do the stuff that's necessary. It's like, yeah, you know what? I- I'd love to go in and um, uh, you know record, you know, all live on a beautiful. Uh, all analog situation and have it be magnificent. But, you know, that situation's kind of fraught with peril because you're not comfortable (laughs) that day. You're not hearing things quite right in your ear. You know what I mean? It's like you'd have to be recorded on several different situations where you're feeling all up to snuff for that tape thing and all that magic to come together. You know what I mean? So the fact that you're in a situation where it's like, yeah, I can go in someplace and record digitally someplace and, you know, hear what that sounds like live versus in the studio here, in the studio there, and just have that freedom so that the performance is something that is captured versus some kind of hi-fi, pie-in-the-sky thing. You know what I mean? That That's kind of where I'm at with the whole thing. I like it. I like the, you know, the idea of still approaching it like it's a tape machine, even yes. though you're playing to digital and, and trying to get the band up to snuff so that you're cutting that way. Right. Still cutting is a live ensemble. I like to do it as much live as possible without a doubt. Yeah. I'm in the same boat and it's great to be able to go back and tweeze and fix one thing. If you, if you missed a change or something you can punch in or whatever, but really trying to treat it like a tape machine. I think it's just, and, and let things kind of move in an organic way. They speed up and slow down. You know, there's, all this perfect music that's right. being made, you know, where it's uh, so quantized and and controlled, and I, it feels rather soulless to me. So I'm always, I'm really, uh, you know, go back to those police records and stuff, and you right. hear the, you hear the band really breathing like an organism. It's so cool. Absolutely, and you know, there there are times where we'll we'll definitely do it with a click, and then there's times where it's like, this tune is not working with the click, because this one part's got to breathe in a way that the click is not working. And so we'll do it without a click. And to your point, it's like, sometimes things speed up, and they'll come back down, and and that's just part of being the doggone human, and that's what you yeah. want it to be. Yeah. You want it to have that, that, that human feel. Yeah, you know, you got a little anxious when that chorus came around. You know? Right, because you were so excited for the That's power. <laughs> you just couldn't wait till you it hit. 
But you know That's what you were it. saying earlier is so true. I I just you know I I look at um, and again uh, you know keeping your your mantra of gratitude in in key. I'm totally grateful for everything I'm able to, to get to be able to do. Uh, I'm I'm incredibly grateful that anyone cares enough to listen to my stuff, let alone buy it. And so, cause it just reaches that point where you're like, you know, you're incredibly grateful that anyone even cares. Right. Um, but that being said, when you're, when you're recording music, I, I love writing music. I love writing it up to, and I know you're the same way you, you write it up to your own standard of what you think is, uh, the statement you want to make. And you also are categorically going through your mind, well, what's going to be the best thing for the people I've chosen to be on this record? Mm. What, what, what is the best expectation I can have within, you know, realistic per, uh, parameters of how I want this recording to sound like and how much I'm willing to tweeze and geek out about that mm. um, versus, okay, now I got to put it out. And then there's this whole idea of the modern propaganda for a record and what's expected. Oh, well, we got to have cameras in the studio capturing our moments, you know what I mean? And put together this promotional video and, you know, and have some kind of pseudo video where I'm looking pensive off to the side somewhere as, you know, some... A strange right. couple is living out the lyric. Which is my most lyric. artistic side. Yeah, you know, and all that. And, and again, not not to denigrate people that do that tastefully. Fine, that's that's them. You be you. But for me, it's like, I just want to make the music and put it out there. And then there's the whole idea of hiring the publicist to, uh, and then you, as you said, you got to manage the manager who's managing the publicist or manage the publicist who's, man, you know, to make sure that they actually get it. And, and it's just amazing to me that you can put out, you know, music that you know your fans are going to dig and you do your best to reach those people. Uh, and, and, and always pleased that they respond in the way that they do. But then you realize that next level up of making sure that it's getting uh, written up in a, such a way that it reaches a broader audience. I freaking loathe that shit. I yeah. hate it. Here, here. I, I have to say I completely concur with you that once the record's done, you know, the, the fun is kind of over for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, then, we're, then we're really into work zone, you know, and you have to try to wrap it and package it and do all of these things that are, eh, they seem sort of mechanical to me mm-hmm. at best, you know? Um, and the idea that if you were in the room with five people you really trusted, and you guys recorded a track and everybody felt it and everybody really liked it. Why would somebody in the interweb somewhere saying they didn't feel it and didn't think anyone else would either? Why would that affect you? Right. Why does that matter? Right. So all of a sudden, because you're not engaging in the discourse of either offense or defense, you must not really care about the project then or... You know, and I always look at it like, well, my work is done. Right. Either you're going to really think it's cool or not. I'm not going to try to sway you. You know, it's not right. It's not. I'm not. You know, I'm not suddenly a salesman. Right. Know? Well, how about so, the aspect of you know you do a record, and then someone will contact you, identifying themselves as a big fan. 
and will say, you know, Willie, I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're going on about these last couple records. Why don't you, why don't you just X, Y, and Z? You know what I mean? In order to achieve A, B, and C, you know, like there's, like there, it's a simple tweak, Willie. All you got to do is listen to this rando who apparently will also say that they speak for thousands. You know, I'm, I'm speaking for a lot of your fans that wish that you would just do X, Y, and Z so that you could achieve the lofty place at the table that they think is, is a, awaits with, with just the simple following of their advice. And, and you're just like, you know what? I do what I want to do in the moment. It's all about a quest. And either you're along for the ride or you're not. That's really where the fan part comes in. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I think you answered that very well. You know, that's pretty much what I would say. And the other side of it is the one that I have gotten several times is, why don't you go back to, you know, a couple of these older records and, and do something more like that? And, you know, you have to say, well, my journey as a like writer and uh, creative person has been just try to stay in the moment of the life you're living and create that way. And you can't go back to that summer of love where that fan may have met their spouse and right. You know, they were doing mushrooms and drinking wine and it was really a good record for that time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I'm sorry, but we all have to move forward. And um, right. yeah, so, you know, I, I don't, I don't look at it like it's breakfast cereal and I know you don't either. You know, I'm not trying to appeal to everybody. I'm trying to do something that I think is honest work and, and um, you know, I'm keep challenging myself and that's, you know, if I don't do that, then I don't really feel like I'm, I'm not showing up. Plus exactly. And plus, you know, I, I think I speak for us both and we're, we don't really do well with people telling us what to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we most certainly do not. Oh. We do share that. Yes. <laughs> so we got to talk a little bit about the Bucks. It's pretty exciting. You know, I oh. know I, 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 it's one of those things where, you know, I'm not a huge sports fan under unusual circumstances. But once right. it gets to a certain point, then I'm all in. And wh- I, I followed the Bucks through the Atlanta series. And, of course, now that they're into the, the finals, I've just been all and Man, it is some exciting shit. Am I right? It is so incredible. And I just got to say, just the spirit of the players. Chris Middleton, fantastic. Yes. You know, Portis Jr., love yeah. him. You know, Holiday showing up, you know, right. uh, two games back, playing defensively so great against CP3. I I just feel like, you know, and of course there's Giannis. They're great with him. They're great when he's not playing. Right. Um, you know, it's a different team. It's almost like a, they're, like their playmaking ability is more evident when Giannis is not in the fold. Although know? I think that they've definitely – I think they've definitely come to grips with the whole. I mean, listen to us; we're talking like sports sports guys, but just for our own impressions. I think they've definitely kind of coupled that whole idea of with Giannis or without, and and they're playing more like a team at this particular uh, at this particular point. But you know, it's I'll tell so you what. great they're coming home for the decider at home. Yeah, I mean, this I don't know. 
Well, plus, you know, it, it, it's for this town. It's it's so huge. It really is. It really is. It's just magical. It is. And the and crew is doing great. The pros yes, are doing they great. are. They are indeed. Loving them. Loving the so, crew. So, yeah, yeah, this has been kind of our, you know, I've had a few Milwaukeeans. Well, it started with, you know, I had Scott Sherrard on, and we, we talked about a bunch of different oh, stuff. Hey. And then he had mentioned... Sean Hinton. And I thought, oh, it'd be fun to get Sean. And then I had Sean on. And then, you know, you mentioned Daryl. And I thought, oh, I'll get Daryl. I was like, well, I can't have these guys on and not have Willie on. So it just doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Well, thank you. So it's been kind of our, you know, because the Bucks are in the finals, we've had four Milwaukee guys in a row that have done well and represented our fine city all over the damn world as musicians and pirates of, (laughs) of benevolent renown. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> thank you king warrior well you know you do what you, you do what you got to do mm. so what's uh what's in the immediate future for you here how, how's the fall looking and you know we talked a little earlier about you know how there's this little spike of of this delta variant we don't quite really know what's happening but you know how's the remainder of 2021 looking like in comparison to your usual if it was you know normal times it's looking pretty good, actually. I've got, you know, a bunch of private show type things and house concerts and things of that nature. I'm uh, doing the Sisters Folk Festival in September, which will be fun out in Oregon. Hmm. And then from there, going to the East Coast for a few days to do some writing and <clears throat> hang out with my buddy Tom Pirazzoli. It's, um, it's busy enough. You know, we got the lad headed off to college in August up in uh, the dual metropolitan complex. Oh, is he going to the U? He's not. He's going to the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. Oh, that's right, which is a magnificent place. My uh, my brother-in-law went there. Yeah, outstanding. So that's great. And um, yeah, busy times, brother. Busy times. But, you know, there's enough work to go around. I'm going to keep the live stream going. You know, once a month, I'll be live from the bunker with various guests. I'm going to hopefully lasso you and get you over here for one of those. Oh, that'd be fun. We'd have a good yeah, old time. I think we would. Yeah, um, we've diminished on on doing it every other week as well. We're doing it more like once a month. Trying to figure out a better time, too, because we were doing it at, at 5 p.m. Central, which we thought was a good time because then we'd get people over in Europe that might still be up, mm. even though I'll be kind of later there. But uh, I, I don't think that works as well with people not being – Especially on a weekend night, not being in COVID when people are not, people are out eating, they're doing stuff. So it's just kind of figuring out what's a good time to do it now, right? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So are you going to be heading back on the road? Have you got a bunch of tour dates? Uh, We've got some Europe stuff in November that we're working out. There's some stuff in September. October's a little light right now, but you know, I, I, I really don't care. I mean, if we, if we fill it up. Uh, with some stuff, which I know we will. Um, it's just one of those things where the guys are to the point where it's like, we want to go out and make sure that we're making X amount of dough. And, um, you know, not as, as we mentioned earlier, not that it's all about the money, William, but it is a little bit. Am I right? Yes, sir. It has to be. It has to be. And, um, you know, it just seems so weird when you're, when you're compensated thusly for doing various different things, playing your guitar. And then someone says, here's an excellent opportunity to travel several hours and play for the door, but you do get some delicious food. It's like, you know, I know that we'll bring X amount of people in the ticket prices are thus, but no, (laughs) no, I was watching, I was watching planet, you know, planet earth the other day and, um, you know, in Antarctica, uh, the emperor penguin. Um, is tasked yes. 
with four months outside in, in very, very, uh, very hostile climate. Yes. Okay. It's, it, it drops to as low as 79 degrees centigrade below zero. Um, and several of those uh, penguins are known to perish from exposure. Right. Yeah. Not unlike lots of artists I know. Exactly. Yeah. So we don't we don't need to go places because it's going to be a, a lot of eyeballs, Greg. A lot of people are going to see you. They're going to talk about your work. We can't oh, yeah. pay you. You're right. We, exactly. It's all about just, that sweet exposure. Yeah. I mean, we really would love you to just, you know, can we work this out? We'll feed your guys. Maybe house you. I love the maybe. Um, right. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the other thing is that if you do say yes to like a lower amount or whatever, well, this is just between us. You know, it's just a special deal. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, someplace down there, they're buddies. So they've talked to, so yeah, I got them for such and such. You must be reading my mail. Ah, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you got people good. on the inside? <laughs> oh, oh, but again. Gratitude. That's Attitude it. of gratitude. Well, listen, William, thanks so much for rapping with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I think we've Man. we've covered a number of delightful topics for the peeps. It is always a pleasure to see you, my friend. And I just want to say, I went out and I procured one of those amazing caulk amplifiers. Ah, yes. Bless yes. you. And it is a, it is, though it comes in this, you know, this eggshell blue, um, it's capable of sweetness and raging fury. Yes. I just must say. Well, I, I appreciate you. So, you know what? I, I've been using it, obviously, nonstop. And, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where uh, I, I did it because I wanted to have all the things on it that I wanted it to have. It wasn't like, okay, well, what can we do to sell the most of, or it, it, there were none of those concerns. It was like, mm -hmm. no, I want, I want an amp that does this. Can you do it for me? Uh, and they did. So it's like one of those things where it's, you know, it's a small company from the Netherlands and with all the supply chain issues of, of, of COVID, not to mention even before that, it's just, there's so many different things. I would not want to own an amplifier company for all, you know, it's, it's an extraordinarily, uh, complex thing. You know, just when you find the right supplier for this transformer, you need to find another one for this or the speakers. Oh, they're, they're no, they're no longer making this thing. So you can't get the, so it's always this juggling. And when you're not a juggernaut that can buy so many parts at one time that you kind of get preferential treatment, it's really kind of a, um, it's kind of a difficult thing. So anyway, my, my point is, is that I, I love that other people can get the amp and that they enjoy it. I'm just so glad that I get to play one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Good for you, man. Right on. Well, I have to say, it's it's really, it's been a game changer. And when all the members of your band say to you, hey, man, it's like you've really kind of raised your game tonally. Um, thank you. you know? Oh, that's awesome. That's it's well, really I appreciate that. That's fantastic to hear. I'm glad. Have. Yeah, brother. Well, great to see you, and thanks for having me on. It's just oh, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, and we'll see you soon. All right, my man. Be well. You too. Thank you so much, folks, for tuning in. Special thank you to Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, and the Mighty Fishman Transducers for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed yourself, ladies and gentlemen, please subscribe and review so that people can get the word out that this is worth experiencing. Can you dig it? Thanks again. We'll see you soon. Or 
You'll hear me soon.